Mother's Day, mothers. Except we might have some early brunch Mother's Day folks. <laughs> you know, we're often challenged at times to, because it's Mother's Day or it's Father's Day or because of a certain thing, to make a message about that and just get in that habit. And I've, I've always been very grateful and thankful that when I first started coming to New Life, that wasn't something that Pastor Jay did. Just do a service just to do it. Or just have a typical, you'd have your pastor's wife come up or someone, one of the females on staff and, you know, give a traditional Mother's Day message. And uh, I will honor our mothers. And I can tell you flat out um, without, you know, two different ways. Without my mother, I wouldn't be here, obviously. We can all say that. Um, but without my mother, um, without her prayers, without her really being um, an intercessor and not letting go, I wouldn't be here. Um, it's the faithful prayers of a mother. And mothers, I want to encourage you, if you have children that are away from the Lord, your prayers are powerful, extremely powerful. Um, so thank you. And I'm very blessed to um, have a wife who's an amazing mother that I could say that any, any of the ladies in the church could look to and see what a good godly wife looks like and what a good godly mother looks like. Thank you. I'm very proud of my wife. I've got a lot, a lot to be proud of. Well, we're going to continue um, in the book of Revelation in chapter 3. We should be wrapping it up today in the letter to the Laodicean church. And so let's just read it from the start and we'll, I don't do that every time, but I think since we're closing up, let's get everything in context. Chapter 3, verse 14 says, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may become rich, and white garments, that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes, that you may see. That's very loving that the Lord is advising them to fix those things and to buy from him. He says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the, my, at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Another way to say that is he will sup with him. That's where we get the word supper. Some of you who are from probably, you know, like East or Oklahoma or out of California, um, I grew up, my grandma was always like, you, you going to have supper? Supper was dinner. <laughs> dinner was lunch. So I never figured out like how all that worked, but that's where that supper comes from is, is that word sup. He's wanting us to come to supper. Amen? It's another way to look at that. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Now in these, to he who overcomes, there's some pretty cool keys, and we're going to look at that next week, um, of the throne room. This is a very cool passage that I hadn't, I don't know why I hadn't seen it until just a few weeks back, but another key to where the church is during the tribulation. We'll look at that in a little more depth, but just, just a little nugget there. I also, I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the final. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right. We covered last week, those whom I love, I will discipline and reprove. That's such a fun, fun message. How many are saying, praise the Lord, we're glad we're out of that one. Amen. Like I am too. Like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. Um, very kind of cool, and I didn't see this until just the other day. I told Pastor Dennis, I said, isn't this funny how the very next verse you see Jesus, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. How many of you could recognize, or I did, 
He's outside now. How many of you have ever been disciplined by the Lord? Or disciplined by anybody? There's usually a cooling off period. I find it very interesting that after he says, I love you, I discipline those that I love, I rebuke those that I love, he's outside going, hey, can we talk? Did you ever notice that before in that? I've never seen that before, but that is such a loving God. He says, I love you. I know you're going to probably turn your back. You're probably going to get cold. You're probably going to get inward. You're probably going to close up. But I'm gonna, I need to love you anyway so that we can grow in our relationship, so that, so that you can be all that you can be. And then he's lovingly going to come and, son, daughter, can we talk? I think the tone in that is there for a reason, that you see that. Yes, we had to deal with some things, but I think it's very, our humanity, when that happens, we close up. Something happens, and it's our tendency to just close up. And so cool, um, this Nine Lies That Will Destroy Every Marriage book just happened to be this week talking about opening a door to our heart. You guys, I have told, I've been telling you for some since I've been here, like, I can't plan this stuff. I wish I was smart enough to do that. The Lord just blesses me, and, and he makes me look like, man, you're planning this stuff out. It's just how that works. No, I am not sharp enough. He just lands these things and just like, oh, here, let's just, let me help you with that. So we have an ability to close off ourselves, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes we've been hurt. Sometimes you get into areas, and, and you need to close up. And well, in the book, it's pretty cool that this, this chapter talked about a couple, like a roly-poly. And I was out pulling weeds, and it was so funny. I look over, and here's these roly-polies. And I just watch them. Whoop, curl up. It was such a symbol. There was danger. They were threatened. Whoop, they closed up. But you know what's pretty cool? They didn't stay that way. As soon as they realized, like, oh, there's no threat. I'm okay. They'll open back up. Turtles do that. I grew up, my grandma in Southern California, she had this turtle. Those things live forever. This big old turtle. And I love, I, I don't know why, but I, I like a turtle. Sorry. My wife's like, oh gosh, here we go. If I see a turtle walking like that gets loose, just letting you know, I'm going to take it. If your turtle gets out, I remember I saw one when I was in Southern California, you got run over. And as a little kid, it was like, oh, it was like devastating, like. That, that turtle. So any big turtles, if you don't want them, they live a long time. I don't know how Charlie will do, but they got a protective shell. So they sense danger. They boom, tuck in, but they don't stay there. Now, we can do that with people. We can also do that with the Lord. How many has ever got a whooping from the Lord or you perceived maybe something that happened and you thought the Lord did it? And then he comes around and you get a little... Shell shocked. Don't tell me that don't happen because I've experienced it myself. And you're like, well, you're a pastor. Yeah. Yep. Believe me, most pastors know what that's all about. And you want to stay there. The Lord just ever so. Sometimes he beats really hard on a door. Most time he just. Hey, can I come in? It's so sad to me that in this letter to the churches, he's outside the church. He's outside of his church. It's his church. And he's not inside. You know, we can have a tendency to put the Lord in a box. A lot of churches do that. A lot of us do that. We'll put him in our little box because we feel safe. He could be here, but you can't be everywhere. There's certain areas of our life we don't want to open the door to him. Certain churches, they give him a, some, some churches give him actually a little bit of space. But you better act and do the things that we need you to do in that space, otherwise we're going to move on and put your lid back on. Is that fair? Did you guys notice that or see that? This church don't even have a box. He's not even in the church. He's outside the church. They have everything going on, all the stuff going, all these things, and he's not even in the midst. 
And that tells me we can do the same thing. We can call ourselves a Christian. We can call ourselves a believer. We can have all these things going on in our life, and he's not even in the mix. And he so ever lovingly will just, hey, can I come in? Hey, can we spend some time? How many of you recognize that little knock? How many of you have ever seen where it's not? Now, he will use circumstances. Sometimes some circumstances will pound on a door. He will allow things to beat on a door. But when he comes to the door himself, it's usually very tenderly, very quietly. The first part, of though, is before the knock even comes, it's his voice. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, it's so weird to me. There's, there's denominations and people and beliefs that don't believe. They believe that Jesus quit talking, that God quit talking after the, the, the Bible was canonized. He doesn't talk anymore. That's so sad. I had a very good debate some years back with a person of a Calvinist background, and that, that's what they said. Oh, every, there's nothing else he needs to say. It's all right here. The word was closed up. I said, man, that's sad to me. I'm like, what about his sheep know his voice? Like, I've heard him. I know his voice. Like, God can do anything except for talk. Like, all of a sudden we have a dumb God. He used to talk, but now he doesn't talk anymore. This is to the churches. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, this verse right here jacks up all of that theology. Does it not? If anyone hears my voice. So he's still talking. How many are happy he's still talking? I'm so grateful he's still talking. I'm so grateful that after I get disciplined, after he shows me and proves his love for me, even though when I'm closed off and I'm like, I think I need a break, he's like, no, how about come to supper? And I'm like, I don't think I'm ready to come to supper. Oh, yeah, you are. Well, come on. You know it's going to be good. Nope, I'm done. Come on. You know I love you. Well, if you love me, how many of you guys are, if you really love me, why? The big why. If you love me, why? First problem with that is that there's no if. There's no if. You are loved. Remember I tell you there's two things that you've got to know that's always got to be selling in your heart, that you are loved. That's the first important. God loves you. There's no question. It's not if God loves you. God loves you. It's, it's said, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. There's nothing he'll ever have to do to show or prove that again. But yet he still does, over and over and over. In the book, I've worded it a little bit differently, but in that book it says, the door to your heart can only be opened from the inside. It's like that door right back there. There's no handle on the outside. In order to get in, someone's got to knock on that door. How many times do we do that? You're like, somebody let me in. It's just like that back door. Only be open from the inside. He's given us free will and respects our will to exercise it. Isn't that interesting? That's what free will looks like, a one-sided door. He doesn't force himself in. He never violates that. He'll gently keep knocking. He, ex he will respect your ability to exercise it at your own discretion. When and who and how. The sad thing with me is, is, is and he loves us so much and he honors that even, even when it's not for our good. At our own cost. He said, I'm not forcing myself in. And it's a detriment to us. He never violates that. Now, many of us have closed doors. And you can say, well, this big part of my life is wide open to him. I had, 
I even this morning again was just sitting there saying, Lord, I open up every part of my life to you. Because if we're honest, there's certain parts as we go in life, they start closing up. And you can say, for the most part, I'm, op- I'm wide open to the Lord. But we get hurt or something happens and you, there's a bunch of different doors. You can close a couple of them off. You might not even notice it, but he does. And he'll just keep standing there going, you're going to let me into that? I love you. When we are closed off in areas of our life, we risk very highly the ability for us to love the way he wants to love through us. It's one thing to love how we want to love. And I prayed, one of the most common prayers I prayed from the, probably the first day I got saved and I still pray is, Lord, teach me to love like you want me to love. And that prayer is being modeled or twisted a little bit more into a place and molded into a place, Lord, I pray that all the doors of my heart are open so that you can pour your love through me. Because I don't even, like, I don't want to love, like, through me. Teach me so I can love. I would just open all the doors of my heart so that your love will just flow through me. And it's not possible when we have things closed off. I can't love anyone the way God wants me to love them if I'm not wide open. That doesn't mean there's not times or with people, different things that you might have to close for a while. But you don't stay there. Amen? That doesn't mean you just open yourself up to just get run over and people shoot you up and, and abuse you and all those things. But that means after, after that season, you come back out. Is the coast clear? come back out and you allow the Lord to go in and heal those things and fix those things and then you open back up again. Amen? Otherwise you just start getting closed off and it's like Fort Knox and you're saying, I'm not going to be hurt again. And I know Christian people that are so closed off because they've been hurt. Anyone been hurt in a church? You see church people, they come in and and when I came here, I was pretty much just keep a distance. <laughs> I don't get too involved. I'm serious. That's how I was. Now, now, thank the Lord, he wooed me out. I came out of the shell. But there was a good season I needed to, and there was nothing wrong with having some boundaries. Because if I would have got involved real soon... I'd have hurt a heck of a lot more people. I know a pastor. I know there's a lot that they don't take the time to get healed. They either stay closed off and they keep everyone at a far distance, which hurts everybody. Or they don't ever go in and and get protected and let the Lord heal them and sup with him. And then they hurt a bunch of people. And we can do the same thing. It's not just, I'm not just picking on pastors. If it happens with pastors, it happens with you. Happens in your marriage relationships. It happens in your children's relationships. Happens in friendship relationships. We start building walls. We start building, I'm not even, you're not even ever going to get to the door because I'm going to build a wall in front of it. But because he loves us, he keeps knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. Aren't you glad? He just keeps knocking. He doesn't give up. His love never gives up. His never, love never runs out. He never says, that's it. He keeps knocking. How many are glad he kept knocking? Even when you said, there is no possible way I've built such a wall in a fortress... His love conquers it all. His love, there's not, there's not anything you do that will stop the knock. Believe me, I tried. I tried to drink myself to stop the knock. I tried to put enough drugs in there to stop the knock. I tried to do enough things that he would say, you done screwed up, I don't want no part of you. I can't use you no more. He just keeps knocking.
even though he gave this church a very, very, very strong warning, he doesn't want to spew you out. It's not his desire. He's woeing them and wooing them, saying, I love you. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to correct you. But let's, let's have dinner again. Let's have, let's have that relationship. He wants communion. It's a beautiful word. I don't think I ever really understood communion until um, Jonathan sent that song, Communion. And, and really start to understand how precious it was to him to have real communion. That's what he wants with us. He wants the walls gone. He wants you to be able to just be free. No fake, false things in front of you. No macho garbage, I'll say that word. Men like to do that. Oh, we're put this whole deal up. Like, and you know what? Sometimes you got to do that. There's places in your life, you know, when I went to jail and did different things like that, you got to do some things so that you keep people at a distance. But that ain't a way to live. <laughs> That's not a way to live. It's a self-protection thing, but that ain't a way to live. You can't have communion like that. He wants relationship. He wants to, he wants to feed us. He wants to feed us. He wants to feed his supper. He says, I got something for you. Feed on me. That's what communion is. Feed on me. Now, we're not being Catholic and saying, you know, the, the, the bread's going to supernaturally turn into his body and we're going to be cannibals. But he was instilling, like, look, you can feed all this other stuff, but feed on me. Take my flesh. Take my blood. Just, just feed on me. Fill up on me. You need to be, I need to be in you. You need to be in me. Real fellowship, real communion. It's not about the religious stuff. It's about that. That communion, that him living in you at full access to your heart. Full access. No rooms closed. Nothing off limits. Nothing that gets hid. Nothing that gets put up. Nothing that get, doesn't ever get talked about. And he is going to continue knocking until it's there. He wants to feed you so you'll become nourished and strong. There's nothing stronger than love. He wants you to be full of love and, abil and an ability to be loved. Just like he is. If we're in his image, God is love. What should the church be? What should his kids be? So if we're not, we've got to let him into those areas so we can be. Because love never fails. It's the most powerful weapon. And I like, like, I like weapons. I mean, I kind of like to fight. I don't like to lose. I don't like that. But if, like, if you can know, like, we're going to get in a fight, and it's going to be awesome, and you guys are going to win. It's gonna be, you're going to be totally victorious. This is going to be fun. The biggest weapon that we have, and he's like, look, we have this nuclear weapon. Or whatever, I don't even know what the best weapons are now. Some Star Wars weapon. It's love. And every time we use it, we win. It's never been a time when it didn't finish and accomplish the purpose that it was set out to. We'd be stupid not to use it. Right? Wouldn't you be trained in it? Wouldn't you be like, I can have all these different things. I want a big backpack full of love. Like, if I'm going to have to carry a bunch of stuff, that's what I want. I want the never fail stuff. Amen? This invitation, I'm going to change directions here just a little bit. This invitation by Jesus to the churches is to those churches that have lost their fire and their zeal, that are dead and not alive, that have become institutions. You hear that word, institutions? Does that sound freeing? No. We don't want to be an institution. But here's the cool thing. This invitation to these churches and to people 
that if anyone, if someone would open the door, not everyone, how many people does it take to open a door? Just one. So listen to this. If, if anyone, someone would open the door and enter into this renewed fellowship that Jesus is offering, it could be the key to revival for the whole church. You guys don't believe that. Love is at the door. Love's at our door. And as a church, as a, as a, a family of believers that are all jointly and knitly fit together as a body, it just takes one to open that door up widely to him and say, come in. And it will affect everyone. That, I believe that's, that's how revival really starts. When multiple people start doing that, look out. Look out. And this isn't just an invitation for the church. It's for us as individuals. But you have to remember, Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone. He doesn't force himself. He doesn't kick in the door. Even though there's many times in my life I'm like, man, I wish you would have. I wish you'd have just brought SWAT, the Holy Spirit SWAT team, and just <laughs> drove through the walls and, you know, flown through the swinging off the stuff and just, like, put me in a good headlock and, nope. He just keeps knocking. And I, I'm going to tell you, like, we keep saying that the Lord's coming close and, and he's getting soon. He's coming soon. He's getting close. There's a whole other way of seeing that is, is, is he's getting close. This is what I've been experiencing. He's getting close. Do you feel, do you sense the Lord like drawing closer to you? Not in this sense, which is very true. He's coming back. But he's drawing in close. He's knocking. That's what that is. Let him in. If anyone will open that door, if anyone will open it up to him, to this very source of love. See, it's not possible if you open up that door to not be affected. It's like a tidal wave of love. You can't open that door and not be affected. You can't open that door and not get drenched. You can't open that. There's no mistaking it. There, there's going to be an effect. Amen? There's going to be an encounter with love. And you're never going to stay the same. Those areas are going to get changed. Those areas are going to get dealt with. There may be some spanking. There may be some, some discipline. There may be some correction. But you're never going to stay the same. You're going to be loved. And through that, you're going to have an effect on a lot of other people. That's why I've never understood someone that says, like, yeah, I met Jesus and nothing's changed. Like, how? How, how do you have an encounter with love? How many remember just the first time you really felt love? Like you remember growing up, and there's like love for grandma, grandpa, there's love for, but then there's like love that God designed us to have with our spouse. Like that encounter, like there's no mistaking it. You're like, I think I'm in love. It's a powerful force. And all the different types of love is a way for God to communicate to people. He is love. God is love. So all those different things are ways that we understand, like, that's God. How many have ever wanted to not be loved? There's, not, there's no one that doesn't want to be loved. Now, there's people that will be very skittish. But when they understand and they come encounter with real love, with true love that has nothing wanting an expectation in return, you don't see that very often. A love, love that is just giving with nothing in it for themselves. When you, when you encounter that, there's no mistaking it. And it's very contagious. You want more. Amen? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice 
and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes will sit down with me on my throne. If you'll open the door, this is kind of a continuing on here, but it's just after this part, this overcoming part. If you will open the door and dine with him now, you will dine with him forever in heaven. How many of you guys are dining with him? How do you dine with the Lord? This is, this is, go ahead. How do you dine with him? How? Let him talk to you. You know, there's times in my life, I said this um, one time when I was testifying very early in my walk with the Lord at a church in Teen Challenge, and it was a Holy Spirit little bombshell. I, I was talking to the church, and I said, you know what? And I don't know how it came about. It was just the Lord. I said, you know, when you, you ever you quit hearing from the Lord, you, like there's times you just don't hear him say anything, and he's not talking. I said, then read from him. Listening to his voice. I, I listened to, I spent all, well, pretty much all night before, and then about three or four hours of listening to the word. Just listening to it, not talking, not reading, just listening. Listening to the Lord speak to me through his word. How many, what's another way? Music, worshiping, getting out in creation. Loving someone. Doing something for someone else? There's lots of ways. How many of you can hear those little... You want to dine with him forever. How are we going to dine with him forever we don't open the door? Isaiah 66, 1 talks about the throne. A lot of us will see this throne as just the spot that, that God's sitting on, the chair, the seat. I want you to see maybe a little bit differently through scripture. Isaiah 66, 1, heaven is my throne. Heaven is my throne and the earth is the footstool for my feet. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? That gives a throne a whole different look to me. All of heaven is his throne. Now, what am I saying? Well, I'm saying that as we get going, that we're going to be seated with him on his, on his throne. Could be a lot bigger than what we're just seeing. He says, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me, and where is a place that I may rest? Now, just like Jesus ascended to his father's throne, where he is a high priest, right? Jesus is ascended, sitting at the right hand of the father as a high priest, making intercession for you and me. Jesus gives to those who overcomes, and those who have sat down and dined with him and entered into that relationship, that you will also sit on his throne that's a big deal we will ascend and be with him on his throne until it's time to come back and triumph and rule on the earth and fulfill all of the bible's prophecy we're going to dine with him we're going to sit with him on his throne we're going to be seated for the marriage supper of the lamb this this supper thing is important this Opening the door, letting him in is important. We open up a door, for, he's going to open up a door for us. We're going to see that in chapter 4. John sees a door open for him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. 
And what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That's pretty cool. He raised him from the dead, seated him at high in his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now, this is going to be a little part of coming in the future. There's different ages. There's a church age right now. After the church age, there's a millennium. There's a thousand-year reign, which is going to be different. That's what that means, not only just in this age, but in the one to come. And there's only one more age. After that, it's eternity. He says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now let's look at Psalm 110. I didn't print it out for me, Beth. the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. The Lord will stretch forth the strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people will volunteer freely in the day of thy power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, thy youth are to thee as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Thou art a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at thy right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. I gave you NLT, huh? Can you pull that back up? Just like go from like verse 4. I'll just do the whole thing again. I'll read it from there. The Lord, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. This is a very cool psalm that's very prophetic of what's to come. Until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. That's speaking of the millennial reign. All of this is, is coming. And we, that age to come. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. Who's that? Those are the Jewish people. You are arrayed in holy garments, and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. What are, what are we called? Kingdom priests. And what? The order of Melchizedek, which had no beginning or end which was not from the tribe of Levi. We are like a royal priesthood. The Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. He will strike down many kings when his anger erupts. That's when he returns the second time. He will punish the nations and will fill their lands with corpses. He will shatter heads over the whole earth. But he himself will be refreshed from brooks along the way. He will be victorious. This conquering king, this one who sits on that throne, is giving us that same ability and that same position as royal priests. Those doors that get opened up, he's got the one, he's the one that has the keys. The royal priests would go into the temple, they were the first ones in, when that door would open. And we are, we are that. We are seated with him in a place of authority and power because he loves us. And there's it's not a, which is, this is getting into a little bit of next week. It's not a Levite. It's not a Jewish priesthood. It's not the one, it's a separate priesthood, which we are. We're royal priests, which, which in Revelation chapter 1 lays that out. Now we have to listen to 
the conclusion of chapter 3. And this one is probably, I think, the most important of all of the hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's the Spirit saying to the churches? The Spirit wants all the churches of all time to hear the message that is for today. And it's individual and personal. Going through all these letters to the churches, they're very specific. They're very timely. Um, The very first letter to Ephesus, he says, you've left your first love. He closes with love. It's from beginning to end. Now, what are we doing with that? It's not enough that spiritual victories were won in the past. The promises are to the overcoming believers. We can get real comfortable in things that we've done. We can get real comfortable in things that we did in the past. And because of hurts, because of all kinds of other things that have happened in our lives, we start closing off. And we start relying on our past. I got to tell you, that's not, that's not where we want to be today. As the Lord's getting close, as he's, as he's coming, and as, as he's getting close, and I believe in time, but getting close to us, we don't want to be closing the door. We want to be very quick to open doors to him. Amen? So don't, don't rely on the things we've done in the past. That doesn't mean that um, they're useless. They're, they're, they're there. They're works that, are, that we're going to be clothed in, but it's not our access. Our communion, our relationship is our access. What, we, what we've done with him, I believe that's going to be one of the, what did you do with my son? What did you do with him? Did you just receive him and then put him in a box? Or did you allow that love to flow in you and through you and have an effect on many other people? Amen? That's the investing. The overcomer means that you were the victorious one. You were the winner. That means you had to go through some stuff. And in going through some stuff, you had to keep some doors open. It's, not, it's one thing to overcome something and be victorious, but still be wounded. It's, a, it's one thing to go through something, be victorious, and you're still closed off. You're still shut down. You have to allow him to keep you open. You have to allow him to, when he calls, and he just says those little things that you're, okay, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm moving. Yes, Lord, come in. Come into these areas that I'm trying to build up and, and really you want to keep you out of. <laughs> the overcomer, the winner may have problems. You may have battles. There's so many of those going on right now. It's very challenging at times to, to, to just hear and know the stuff that's happening in a body, in a church. Real stuff, like serious stuff. Not the little stuff that we can, you know, get frustrated with. and Like, like things that are, man can't fix. There's no, there's no touching it. There's no making it better. Only, only love can do that. So the overcomer doesn't mean you haven't had problems. The church, I think, is, uh, has for a long time made, made being a Christian look like everything's perfect. I know, cert, I, know, I know in my past, just growing up, certain organizations are like particularly ma- more masterful than some other ones of putting on this facade of everything is just perfect, everything's right, there's never a problem, and we as Christians get in the habit of doing that. We come to church, how are you doing? Great, everything's awesome. Doing good? Yep. Yep, everything's good. Well, I can't say it's not good. Why can't you? Because every one of us have not good days. Every one of us have areas in our lives that they're not good. Every one of us has areas that they're under construction. It's not finished. There's a lot of potential. But the truth is, without, without our doors being open to him, allowing him to come in and love on us, just how we are, in our broken, messed up state, in a wretched, stinking area in our life, and just love on us and open that door, and be okay to be vulnerable to him, be okay to be in the light, 
you're not going to change. You're going to keep going around that same mountain over and over and over and letting guilt and shame steal, kill, and destroy. And yeah, it's going to hurt. But it's, it's not going to hurt long. <laughs> and it ain't going to hurt forever. And you're going to have victory and you're going to be loved. The overcomer, to he who overcomes, doesn't mean there's not problems. Doesn't mean that even after you open that door, that there still might not be some skirmishes. There still might not be some areas in your life that aren't perfect. I don't mean to just bring a bunch of discouragement today, but you're under construction. So am I. I'm always going to be under construction. I don't know if you've ever met anyone that's not under construction anymore. They suck. I don't want to be around them because they're perfect. There's, a, there's so much pride, and they've been deceived so much that they're no longer under construction. They've got it all figured out. Is that what you want? No. Or we can just be like, yep, I'm under construction. Yep, I need help. Yep, I'm going to need him to walk with me. But... I'm overcoming. I'm opening those doors to him. I'm, I'm listening to him. Yep, I'm stumbling, but every time he says, get up, I'm getting up. Every time he says, I need you to go ask for forgiveness. Okay, I'll do it. I need you to open that door to your heart again to that person. I don't want to. It's time. I need you to go ahead and tear down some walls. You don't need those walls anymore. I'll be your rear guard. I, my glory will go with you. I'm going to walk with you. You can walk with me. I'll, and trust me. Doesn't mean you're not going to have battles. It doesn't mean you're not going to face opposition. It doesn't mean everyone's going to love you. Love came to this earth and the earth rejected it. Jesus literally, love incarnate, walked on this earth and people literally rejected him and persecuted him, and killed him. Can you imagine? It wasn't because of his appearance that people were drawn to him. The Bible says in Isaiah, there was nothing about him that, like, drawed you to him. He was just an ordinary-looking guy. So what drew people to him? I believe love. There's never been a great love was incarnate in this human being. 100% God, what is God? Love. Love was walking around on this planet. You ever been around someone that just had a, I've been around a handful, well, two or three people my whole life, that when you were around them, you felt like you were with Jesus. Or what, what I think being around Jesus might be like. Because there was so much love in them, it came out of them. There's no mistaking that. he was here and we've rejected him and he comes into our life and he comes in and he knocks on that door and we reject him we have to stop rejecting love you have to open yourself up to it and it may come in a, in a physical form it may come in another person are you hearing me God is love and he and anytime someone's trying to do something for you or someone wants to love on you or wants to allow that door to open Just because you're an overcomer doesn't mean you're not going to even have defeats. Doesn't not, it doesn't mean you're not going to lose some fights here and there. You're like, how's that if you're an overcomer? Well, there's some fights and then there's a, a battle and there's war. You can win a war and lose some fights. I mean, it's not going to be perfect. You can still be an overcomer. It's what you do in those moments. What do you do when you get kicked in the teeth? What do you do when that door's been slammed on you many, many, many times, and you're like, that's it. I don't, even want, I don't want to see him anymore. I don't want to talk to him. I don't, I don't want to have a relationship anymore. Is that love? It might be for a little bit, but there's no possible way the Lord, when he comes back in and you open yourself up to him, that it doesn't affect you, and you go, okay, 
I'm going to tear down the wall. Because love never fails. You're going to have some difficulties, even defeats at times. But the overcomer knows this. And this is what I know. That Christ's victory is the secret of my victory. His victory is the, is the secret to my victory. Like, I can't keep trying to do it in my own strength. I can't keep trying to do it so that I get recognized for being victorious. I can't mend that and be like, see, look at me. I overcame that. No. Your secret to success is because of his victory. Is because of his love. Is because of what he's done in you. And you've opened up and he's doing through you. That's the whole secret. It's not in your own ability. It's not in your own strength. It's not in just getting a stiff upper lip and I'm just, I'm going to love them more now. How many ever try that? I'm just, you know, they're irritating. I'm just going to love them more. And I've tried it. I even use like the scripture, like I'm going to heap burning coals on their head. They've been mean. I'm, oh, I'm just going to love them. So they'll just burn, burning coals on their lap. <laughs> That's not love. That's your own strength. But if I open the door, and how many, you know, like in the, even in those very moments when you're, he's just, will you let me into that? And most of the time I'm like, no. I don't want to let you into this right now because I want to be mad. I want to feel like I have a right to be angry because they did this. Will you let me in? No. I know what you're going to say. I know you're going to start talking soft like I do to my wife when she's angry with me. Oh, come on. Are you still going to be married? That's what the Lord does. Come on. We have to open up. And I know that's easy to say. When you've been hurt, it's not easy to do. And I'm not expecting it's just going to happen he is so good that he won't just like, I'm going to make you open up every single thing and everything all at once right now. But he's going to come and he'll start knocking on this area. And you might be surprised. And church, do me a favor. God works on areas most of the time that are unseen to us as friends and family and loved ones. When I got saved, he was doing things deep inside that no one even had a clue you might see someone still drinking. You might see someone still smoking. Then you might see someone still, I don't know, doing whatever. And I'm not saying it's okay to do dumb things. But some of the things that we get so caught up on and that are outward, we see and we want to make these judgments that, oh, God needs to do something. He's doing things deep inside in these hearts. Things you don't even see. And he'll get to those things. But some of us, we want to do all the outward side and just look like we've got it all figured out and we've got this really beautiful painted picture and we can come to church and say, oh, kumbaya. But inside, we're all closed up. Inside, we haven't let him into areas for a long, 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 long time because it hurt. And he wants you free. He wants you completely free. He wants to be close. He wants to have supper. He wants to have communion. Even in the hurt areas, even in we're all adults. I, I said this morning, Lord, I, I open up even sexual areas in my life to you. I invite you into this, which has been weird. I didn't realize there was some, nope. Is that too much? Too much information? You guys are looking like, oh my God, what's he going to say next? I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of doors in our heart. There's a lot of avenues in our life. He wants access to all of it. To all of it. Even the stuff you think, that's a mess. Let's have communion there. Let me into this. If you can't let him in, you're sure is not going to let anyone else in. You following me? 
How are you going to let your spouse into an area that you won't even let God in? How are you going to let your family into an area you won't let God in? How are you going to be able to love them the way he wants you to love them if you won't let him love you the way he wants to love you? It ain't going to happen. You know, I want to be the source, and I'm not there yet. Like, God is, is the source of love, but I want to be like a source of love to my family. And I probably am in some ways, but not to the extent. I want them, when they sit with me, to be like, man, I just feel the presence of God. I feel Jesus. How's that going to happen, you guys? Like, and, and I don't know if you've, has anyone ever felt that? Have you ever been around someone like what I'm talking about? If you haven't, I, I, it's the greatest. Literally, you've felt like you've been with Jesus. I know it's possible. That's only going to come through communion. That's only going to come through all the doors of your heart and all the areas of your life being open to him. That he can get close and he can touch and he can heal. And then we're not reacting out of our hurt. We're reacting out of our love. There's no areas that, that when you bump against, the flesh comes rising out of. Is anyone there yet? <laughs> nope. That is a goal. To have so much love and have him come in and heal so many areas that every single area of your life, that if someone bumps up against an area of an old hurt, it's not the flesh that responds. It's the spirit. That's possible. That's the encounter we want to have. Amen? That's, that's the effect we want to have in a community. That's the effect we want to have. And I think it's one of the most important things is because of what he wraps up these letters with. Hey, don't forget, I stand at the door and knock. Come and dine, come and dine. I want to be an overcomer. Doesn't mean you hadn't had to go through some things. Doesn't, doesn't mean there's still not things coming, but how are we going through them? Let me pray with you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, even in this Mother's Day. Lord, there's so many feelings and realities that happen with mothers. Not all of them are good. Lord, I pray that all the interactions in all of our life, the things that have hurt, the things that have, we could say, have not been fair, the things that are still festering, Lord, I pray that we would open the door. I pray right now that everyone in this room would just begin to open the door to him. The new agey stuff and then weird Eastern meditations and those things, you, you open yourself up. Lord, we don't open ourselves up to anyone but you. I pray, Lord, that those guards, those walls, those areas, Lord, that we have built up over time, Holy Spirit, come and begin to knock them down or just take them one brick at a time and just start removing them. You know how to do it. You know what each of us need. Some of us need just to have a wrecking ball come in and others just need to very slowly and skillfully begin to take down Lord, I pray that you would give us the heart of overcomers to invite you in and then allow you to do your work. And I pray for a boldness that after you do that, that, Lord, we would do the action steps of why those <laughs> doors are getting opened. That we would allow your love to flow through that area into other people. Lord, I thank you that your word, and it, it is right. Every single word is true and completely accurate. It says that love never fails. There's nothing that love can't conquer. There's nothing that love can't heal. I thank you, Lord, for that truth. Lord, I pray that, that this body um, of new life, this family of new life, Lord, would begin to sit with love. 
many have said how they do that. They sit and be quiet and listen to love speak. Or they sit in front of the word, which is the greatest love book ever. And they let love wash over them. They sit and listen to God, to worship music and let love wash over them. That they go out in creation and, and listen to the birds sing and listen and see the, the sun come up and see the sun go down to beauty and design that you've made and let love wash over them. And Lord, that we have intimate times with you and just share our heart, share our concerns, share our fears, share our laughs. In Jesus' name.